0: Amanda, remember that time it took three hours to do an empress's hair?
1: Hello and welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb.
0: And I'm your host, Anna Webb, and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history. And here we are again.
1: Back, back, back again.
0: Back at it, baby. I
1: just, seconds before we started recording, noticed that my voice was cracking real hard.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a good thing you're not uh, presenting the topic. Yep, I'll take it. I was telling
1: Anna, I lectured twice and read a story aloud to my kids this week, so... Thank God I'm not hosting this That's a week. lot of talking.
0: Yeah. That's a lot of talking. Yeah. Whereas I work from home and just basically sit by myself at a computer all day. I Except talk. for the occasional meeting, but oh. I don't have to talk through all of them. I talk
1: <laughs> all day long. It's yeah. my job to talk all day long.
0: Well, let's talk some more. Oh boy. But first, would you like a drink update? I would love one. I'm having wine. Mmm, And it. I do have water on deck. <gasps> Pretty you. So staying hydrated. Well, I mean, listen, it's great, but let's hope that the curse of Anna having water doesn't uh, <laughs> encroach upon us. You can't invoke it alone. Well, it's not the main beverage. That, it's exactly. It's just kind of here. So. Exactly. <laughs>
1: well, I'm drinking water.
0: Nice. Always and forever. Mm-hmm.
1: And full time.
0: And all is right with the world. And all
1: is right with the world.
0: Okay, so we need to just get into it, because this one is a lot. Okay. Um... Today we are going to be talking about Empress Elizabeth of Austria. This topic was actually suggested like a long time ago by one of our followers, um, I think on Instagram, and I can't remember who it was. I'm so sorry. It was forever ago. Um, but if you were the one who suggested this topic, thank you so much because this was really, really interesting to learn about. Um, I didn't know that much about her before I started researching her. So I know nothing about her,
1: so this will be super fun for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're going to be interested in this. I'm episode. getting comfy. Great. Um before we get into her life, I do want to just give a quick content warning here at the top. Um we're going to be talking a bit about uh like weight and body image mm. and some disordered eating things today. So, um if that's a topic that is like not safe for you or whatever, uh please feel free to skip this one. Um she's a very interesting person, but that plays a big role in the story today so if that's not gonna work for you that's totally fine we'll see you next time cool got it okay are we ready yes okay so elizabeth amelie eugenie nicknamed sissy um is born on december 24th 1837 in munich bavaria Um, she's a christmas eve baby yes she is She's the third child and second daughter of Duke Maximilian Joseph, uh, of Bavaria. And, Incredible name. I know. And Princess Ludovf, nope, Ludovica, Ludovica. I don't know how to say her name. I'm so sorry. Ludovica is Ludovica what I would guess at. Of yeah, Bavaria. Um. So her mother is the half sister of King Ludwig I of Bavaria. Um, so that is where her royal lineage comes in to begin with. Got it. Um, her father is like known as a weird guy. And I just included this because I thought it was an interesting detail. Um, He like loves the circus and huh. he loves to travel around the countryside. And he kind of likes to avoid, you know, like court life and stuff, which is relevant. We're going to see that come back in Elizabeth later. Sure. Um. So she and her siblings actually have a pretty like unstructured and carefree childhood. She would often skip her lessons and go riding in the country. Um, they had houses like away from court, which was not super typical of someone in her position at the time. And they would just spend a lot of time kind of away from things but they were like
1: far enough down the line that they could do a little more of what they want
0: yeah well and i just i don't know maybe it was just her parents attitude they were just like who cares Mm -hmm. we're gonna do it anyway (laughs) um that's kind of all i know about her childhood um but it is a relevant uh point because of who she is as an adult Mm -hmm. so in 1853 Elizabeth's maternal aunt, um, Princess Sophie of Bavaria, is looking for a wife for her son. Her son is Franz Joseph I of Austria. He is the emperor of Austria.
1: Okay.
0: He's 23 and he needs to get married so he can have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sophie wants a niece... Of hers to be the wife, because this is a time when Typical. cousins were just getting married to cousins. Typical.
1: Oh my gosh, I was talking to my students about FDR and oh. about Eleanor Roosevelt, <laughs> <laughs> and they were uh, shooketh.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh-huh. wait till they get back further into this kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So she wants a niece rather than a stranger. Sophie is... Um, She's uh <laughs> very controlling. Mm. She's known in that court to be like the iron fist, right? Like she controls everything. So right. what she says goes. Mm-hmm. So she arranges a marriage between Franz Joseph and her sister's eldest daughter, Helene. Helene is Elizabeth's older sister. Um. So... Ludovica and Helene are invited to travel to Austria to receive Franz's formal proposal. And Elizabeth goes with them. And it's like a, the journey is like bizarre. Like they, they arrive late because the mom has really bad migraines and she has to keep delaying the trip. And then one of the coaches with like their dresses in it actually never shows up. <laughs> Just like, I don't know what happened there. And then also like they're in mourning because... Um, the Queen Dowager's brother had died, so they're, like, all wearing black, and they don't have anything to change into. When oh, my they God. It's, like, a whole thing. Um, so, anyway, so they receive the family, and Helene and Franz, like, don't really hit it off, mm. right? Um, but Franz is super interested in Helene's younger sister, Elizabeth. Mm. He's, like, she is cool. I like her. I'd rather marry her. So he defies his mother, which is not typical. And he says, look, um, if I can't marry Elizabeth, then I'm not going to marry anybody. So take it or leave it. Hey. And she takes it. Five, yeah. days, five days later, they announce Elizabeth and Franz's engagement. Um, and then they are married on April 24th, 1854. He's 23. She's like 16 going on 17. <laughs> literally. Oof. Oh. So not again for that time, not
1: horrendous, but bad enough. Still not
0: great. I mean, the gap isn't as bad as it usually is. Yeah, you know, at least he's in his twenties. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's not great. So Elizabeth is very shy and introverted. Um, because of how sort of carefree her childhood was, she has a lot of trouble adapting to the very strict etiquette and protocols of a Habsburg court in austria um she does not do well being that rigid Uh um and she almost immediately starts experiencing health problems she has fits of coughing she gets really anxious when she has to go down like narrow or steep staircases like a lot of it is probably psychosomatic and we'll kind of loop back to that a little bit later but she is has these bouts of sickness, like through a lot of her life.
1: Interesting. Very claustrophobic suddenly having to be
0: inside in the court all day long. Yeah. And well, we're going to talk more about her mental health too in a little bit. So Franz is very much in love with Elizabeth. He, this is not your typical, like, and then they don't want anything to do with each other. Like he's very in love with her, but she is not really that in love with him. She, she's just kind of like, huh okay you know he's very um you know he fits into the court life in in austria obviously he's he was raised in it his mother raised him in this very strict kind of um spanish tradition um so you know he's used to it he's politically very conservative he um obviously is guided by his mother in just about everything which makes things kind of hard for elizabeth who is really not used to that right um, so she avoids him a lot, and she avoids court a lot. She would just leave and wander and be like, "Did somebody need me? I don't care." <laughs> um, and he, for the most part, just kind of lets this be. He he does try to kind of coax her into being to having this more domestic life with him, but you know he's unsuccessful. So. You know, he he kind of allows it as much as you would think he would. You know? Right. So about 10 months after the wedding, Elizabeth is very surprised to learn that she had been pregnant and she gives birth to a daughter. Oh my gosh. And the daughter is named Archduchess Sophie of Austria. Now you might say, hold on a minute. I recognize that name. Isn't that Franz's mother's name? Yes, it is. Because Franz's mother... The elder, uh, Sophie, uh, named the kid herself after herself without (laughs) consulting Elizabeth. Oh, my God. And then she takes charge of the baby and doesn't let Elizabeth breastfeed or care for her at all. Oh, my God. So when I said she was controlling, like, I was not joking. Yeah,
1: this is, like, that girl on um, TikTok who does the videos about the crazy mother-in-law, who does all the characters. Which one? Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. There's one I follow, but... Yeah,
0: yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, she's the definition of a terrible, toxic mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, a year after this, Elizabeth gives birth to a second daughter, Archduchess um, Gisela of Austria, and she is also taken from Elizabeth by the elder... Duchess, so she's good lord. Um, so up to this point, Elizabeth has obviously not produced a male heir, and as we have learned in many other episodes, (laughs) yeah, this is a big deal. Um, her reputation around the palace, people start to be a little like, I'm not sure if we really want you here. It's, uh, I just hold on, Amanda, because it gets worse. She has no control over that, yeah, I know, right? So one day, she finds a pamphlet on her desk and a portion of it is underlined. And I'm going to read the full quote to you. It's kind of long, but just bear with me because okay. I I think it's important. The natural destiny of a queen is to give an heir to the throne. If the queen is so fortunate as to provide the state with a crown prince, this should be the end of her ambition. Uh She should by no means meddle with the government of an empire, the care of which is not a task for women. If the queen bears no sons, she is merely a foreigner in the state and a very dangerous foreigner, too. For as she can never hope to be looked on kindly here, and must always expect to be sent back whence she came, so will she always seek to win the king by other than natural means. She will struggle for position and power by intrigue and the sowing of discord to the mischief of the king, the nation, and the empire.
1: Good Lord.
0: Now, I want you to note the portions about meddling, which is not a job for women, when I tell you this next part, which is that this pamphlet was probably written by her mother-in-law.
1: Good God. Oh, my. It's so much. So. It's so much.
0: Now, big part of the whole accusation of meddling has a lot to do with Elizabeth's influence over her husband, when it comes to his Italian and Hungarian subjects. Because we are in a time in history when Austria is kind the of Austrian,
1: The Austria-Hungarian Empire. Yep, you and, yeah, you nailed it.
0: They're building out their empire a little bit more.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: Um, She went to Italy with him at one point and persuaded him to show mercy toward political prisoners. Um, around 1857, she visits Hungary for the first time, and she is very popular in Hungary. Mm. She loves it there. They really like her. Um, she starts to learn Hungarian, um, huh. whereas her mother-in-law, Sophie, hates the Hungarians. She So she's not happy that Elizabeth is like, maybe we should be nicer to them, right? good lord so that's the drama there so during that 1857 visit to hungary both of elizabeth's daughters get pretty sick mm. um and gisella recovers pretty quickly but her daughter sophie who's two at the time doesn't and she passes away mm. um it was probably typhus as far as we know um and this puts elizabeth into a pretty deep depression Mm -hmm. she was already kind of prone to depressive periods Mm -hmm. um but this one kind of sticks with her for a while um she turns away from gisella quite a bit and kind of starts neglecting her although to be fair she didn't have that much influence over her to begin with in the first place yeah she didn't get to bond with her i know exactly (laughs) Um but they never really have a good relationship the two of them partially because of this.
1: Right.
0: Um she Elizabeth doesn't sleep much. She spends hours reading and writing during the night. Um she takes up smoking which <laughs> women don't smoke. Oh what are you goodness. talking about? Crazy. Um lots of gossip around that. Um, she's very interested in history, philosophy, literature. Um, she loves the German lyric poet, um, Henrik Hein, who is mm. a very radical political figure as well. She collects his letters. Um, mm-hmm. And she actually wants to write poetry herself. She refers to herself as Ti- sorry, Titania, which is, of course, William Shakespeare's fairy queen. Uh-huh.
1: Um,
0: and... She writes a lot about her deepest thoughts, um, her travels, and classical Greek and romantic themes, Um, and she writes about, she does ironic commentary on the Habsburg dynasty, which is hilarious. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about, this is where we're going to start talking about, like, weight and body image, and a lot of it's going to sound specific here, but it's important.
1: Okay.
0: So... Elizabeth stands about five feet eight inches tall, which is cu- pretty tall for a woman. Um, and she is insistent on maintaining her weight at about 50 kilograms, which is about 110 pounds for okay. most of her life.
1: Okay.
0: Now keep in mind she's had two babies.
1: <laughs> yeah, you
0: know, you know what I mean up to this point. Um, she does a lot of fasting. And intense exercise, um, which we're going to talk more about here in a minute. Um, So after her daughter Sophie's death, she refuses to eat for days. And this kind of comes up during all of her periods of depression. Mm -hmm. She'll stop eating. Um, If her weight started to get close to exceeding that 50 kilos mark, she would do what she called a fasting cure or a hunger cure, which was basically, you know, she'd fast. She yeah. wouldn't eat. Um, she didn't like uh, meat. Like, she was, like, disgusted by meat. And she would either have the juice of half-raw steak squeezed into a thin soup, Ugh. or she would just stick to, like, milk and eggs, basically, huh. as her diet. Ugh. Um yeah, that poor it, woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on August 21st of 1858, she finally gives birth to a son, Rudolph. And we're going to talk more about him in a minute here. But um, I just wanted to put it here because that's where we are on the timeline. But right. now we're going to talk a little bit more about her um, habits. Um Okay, so this is really interesting. So she wanted, not only was she obsessed with the weight, she was obsessed with the look of that, like, extreme Mm finness. And she would practice tight lacing. Oh, yeah. So around this time of, like, 1859 to 1860, like, things are not great for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Franz Josef is not doing well in Italy, you know politically um she is not close with her husband she's had three pregnancies up to this point like one right after the other yeah um and you know her mother-in-law sucks um so around this time she reduces her waist to 40 centimeters which is 16 inches yeah um, and the, the tight corseting was obviously how she, she does that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so corsets around this time were the split busk types, which were the ones that hook, uh, have hook and eyes up the front.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but she wants them to be more rigid. So she has solid front ones made for her, um, in Paris, made out of leather. Cause that's like the Parisian style. Uh-huh. Um, And this is said to have been the way she wanted to do it because it would hold up under the stress of how tightly she laced it. Oh, gosh. Um, And sometimes the lacing could take up to an hour. That's
1: crazy. To get it as small as she wanted it.
0: Yeah. And she could only use them for, like, a few weeks. Um, Like, even the leather would not hold up. For how
1: long and tight she wanted to wear them.
0: They'd break.
1: Yeah. Corseting itself... Wild. is perfectly safe if, if done do correctly. Right, right. This practice of tight lacing is what's dangerous. When you hear Absolutely. people say that, like, historic corseting is dangerous, that's not true, by and large. Most this corseting... So.
0: Yeah, most this corseting... This is what talking about, though.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> completely acceptable. Wearing a corset all day didn't rearrange the size of your organs or anything like that. Tight lacing, though, was mm. very dangerous, and a lot of people did it to achieve this. look. This is the very far extreme of the yeah. practice of corseting. And
0: she kind of leads that in your Movement, opinion, yeah. A little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, people look to her as the example of it, right?
1: Right. I just wanted um, to clear that up because a lot of people, like when you start talking about corsets, people yeah, will come for you. I know, um, they get defended. It is, perf- it is perfectly safe. As long as it is I done healthily.
0: Personally, I hate it, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if done correctly, it is a completely safe practice. If done for right. fashion, understandable, all that jazz. Of course. Yeah.
0: Um, but Elizabeth would flaunt this very exaggerated, you know, tiny waist, and her mother in law would get very upset. Because her mother-in-law just expected her to be pregnant, like, all the time. Right. Right. She should be producing a lot of children. Lord. Yeah. Um, so when she was younger, Elizabeth would kind of follow the fashions of the time, um, which th- back then were, like cage crinoline hoop skirts Mm -hmm. um but then it starts to change and she is like the on the forefront of abandoning the hoop skirt she doesn't like it because she wants that tight and lean silhouette right um she doesn't like that it's all very expensive and she also doesn't like that protocol said that it needed her clothing needed to be like changing all the time she liked simple, monochromatic, um, riding habit-like attire is what I read. Okay. Um, she didn't like petticoats. She wouldn't wear them. Mm. Um, or other, like, under linen because they added bulk. Yeah. She didn't like that. Um, often that stuff was, like, sewn directly into her clothes because it would, uh, she wouldn't have waistbands or creases if it was worn like that. And it wouldn't wrinkle. So it would really emphasize, you know, her waist. Mm -hmm. And that was how she kind of, she preferred to dress. Hmm. Okay. Now let's talk about the exercise. Okay. Oh boy. Um, She is an avid gymnast. And she is very rigorous about this. Every castle that she lives in is equipped with a gym. Gymnasium. Good for her. (laughs) Well, I just think that's just a cool like thing to be like. She's not healthy about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Knights Hall of the Hofburg was converted into a gym for her. Mats and balance beams are installed in her bedchamber there so that she can practice every morning. Hmm. And the Imperial Villa at Ischel, I think that's how you say that, um, was fitted with gigantic mirrors so she could, you know, perfect her movements mm. and her positions. Um, she's also an avid uh, horseback rider. She rides every day for hours um, and becomes probably, this says, quote, the world's best and worst. Uh, Sorry, the world's best as well as best known female equestrian at the time.
1: Huh. Interesting.
0: Um, Later in life, she kind of develops like sciatica and she can't really ride anymore. So what she does instead is she would take really long, intensive walks and she would make her attendants like go with her on these really intense like marches and hikes in all weather. She did it every day. Um, so she's a pretty intense person, <laughs> but she is known to be like one of the most beautiful, famous women um, in Europe in the 19th century.
1: I'm, I was just as you were telling talking about that, looking at some pictures of her because I wanted to see like pictures of the size of her waist as we were talking about it. She is very beautiful.
0: Yes, she is. Um, Because while she's practicing these very rigorous, like, exercise routines, she also has pretty demanding beauty routines as well. Mm. She has extremely long hair. She does. These pictures are crazy. Yes. So she was blonde when she was young, and then it turns, like, brunette as she gets older, and she's got this long, long, long hair. And it would take, like, three hours to take care of her hair. Um, so she hires this hairdresser who was a stage hairdresser at, um, at a theater. Mm. Um, and the hairdresser, she would do all these, you know, ornate hairstyles on her. Um, she would accompany her pretty much everywhere. Um, she is forbidden. Wow. She's forbidden, um, to, from wearing rings and she has to wear white gloves, to do her hair. Huh. Um, Just to be
1: prepared to do it and do it and redo it and help her maintain it all day
0: long. And make these elaborate, like, braids and, yeah. you know. Um, While she, the hairdresser, is, like, dressing and braiding and pinning, any hairs that fall out are collected in a silver bowl and then given to Elizabeth, Empress Elizabeth to inspect.
1: You failed me. How have you failed me today?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, every two weeks, her hair is washed with a combination of eggs and cognac. (laughs) And basically everything else that people would have normally had to do during that day would be canceled because it would take like all day long.
1: To do her hair that thoroughly. To wash it.
0: Yeah. Good Lord. Um, but, you know, listen, during this, these hours of having her hair done, what, what's Elizabeth doing? Well, she's learning lots of languages. She would usually use this time to, to learn languages. Huh. She speaks fluent English and French. Wow. Um, Hungarian and modern Greek. Wow. Yeah. Um. Guess what? She also has weird nighttime and bedtime rituals. Of course. She sleeps without a pillow on a metal bedstead, uh. um, because she thinks it's better for um retaining and man- maintaining her posture.
1: Oh ow. I know, right? That would just destroy your back. What are you I talking know. about?
0: Like, as if the beds aren't uncomfortable enough already at that time. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. She'd also get massages. Um, She would sleep with cloths soaked in either violet or cider vinegar above her hips to preserve her waist. Her neck would be wrapped with cloths soaked in Kummerfeld-toned washing water. I don't totally know what that means, but that's what it said. Um, And then for her skin tone, she would take both a cold shower every morning and an olive oil bath in the evening. Interesting. Yeah. Huh.
1: It's like so, those people who require, you know, the bit about requiring like a, a fort of pillows to be able to sleep comfortably. Yeah. But instead true. of that, it's a fort of oils cloth. and cloths. and Yeah. yeah. Just imagine trying to go to sleep with a cloth around your neck and like, oh, ugh. it would be Seriously, terrible.
0: That cannot be comfortable. No. So those are some weird things about Elizabeth. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so after she gives birth to her son, you know, back when we were talking about it before, she gains a little more political influence because now, uh, oh, she she produced an heir.
1: So people are off her back at back least back a little bit her more. Side. Yeah. Back
0: on her side a little bit. Um And, like I mentioned before, she's very sympathetic toward Hungary. And this really puts her in a position to be, like, a mediator between her husband, the emperor, and the Hungarians. Mm -hmm. Um, She's more liberal than her husband. Um, She's very much on the side of, like, Hungary and... um, Yeah, she, she loves... She loves hunger. She wants to protect them within the empire. Mm -hmm. So getting a little more influence, but, you know, she's still not able to take care of her children. And now she has an heir that she's not allowed to take care of, which is kind of more pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, She kind of starts to have more nervous attacks. Um, She's fasting more and more. Um, she is still getting frequent fits of coughing and her health is just not great. So in October of 1860, she's reported to suffer from quote unquote green sickness, which is anemia. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, just physical exhaustion in general. Um. So around this time, there are lots of rumors at court that, Franz Josef is having an affair with this actress, um, Frau Roll. And Elizabeth is like, okay, cool. You know what? Actually, that kind of gives me an excuse to kind of get out of here for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, my husband's having an affair. I'm mad at him. I'm going oh, to no. I'm gonna
1: leave for a little bit and think my thoughts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So she's sick and sick and sick, and then she has a reason to leave, and she takes... Uh, She leaves her kids and her husband behind, and she spends the winter somewhere else. Um, And then around six months later, she comes back to Vienna, and she starts getting coughing fits and fever again. Uh Um, She doesn't really eat much. She sleeps really badly. And her doctor notices that she's got like maybe a touch of lung disease mm. um and they say you know what would be good for this is rest and they send her to Corfu because you know they're always like go somewhere warm go um, to the sea exactly that's and always the she, thing she gets better almost immediately so I wonder
1: I, you, I'm sure you're right when you said some of it is psychosomatic
0: exactly. but I also
1: wonder if she was like allergic to something like Something well, in the castle was,
0: like, irritating her in some way. possible, I guess, yeah. I mean, that's not something you think about that often, I guess, so.
1: I think about know. it with, like, so Sawyer so and I talk about this all the time with, like, mold, right? So, like, yeah. every time they move back into the dorms, they get sick the first week that they're back because there's just more... Dust and dander and mold in those buildings. Old buildings. In those old buildings that there are, like, in my home that I upkeep really well. Even though there's, I'm sure there's some here too, but there's definitely less. So I wonder if she, like, goes to, like, a newer place or a place with a better... Air quality, even, yeah. and then she comes back to a place like this and gets immediately sick because it's all drafty and disgusting.
0: Yeah, I think the cough parts—that is probably a good point. Yeah. Um, I think the kind of the other general physical ailments probably has a lot more to do with like her mental health. I am certain it's a combination of the two, or yeah, it's she's definitely so si- somewhat psychosomatic. She's so unhappy, yeah. Happy yeah. when she's at court. So when she leaves, of course, she's going to start to feel better. Yeah. Um. But, you know, of course, her eating habits also give cause Make her, her some illness. Make her sicker, yeah. Um, around 1862, she's examined by another doctor, and he says that she's got some anemia and dropsy, which is edema. Um, mm. And her feet were sometimes so swollen... That she couldn't walk around really on her own. She would. It was really hard for her to walk, and she needed help.
1: And I'm sure around. she cuts off a bunch of her circulation with her. Absolutely, she has crazy habits. Swelling. Yeah.
0: So okay, her son Rudolph. He's about four by this point, and they're like, mm, she should probably have another son. Right, just in case. You have the area you need the spare. Exactly, my friend. Um, But the doctor is like, I'm not sure she can get pregnant again. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Her health is awful. Um, And she would have to leave frequently to get care. Um, And on top of that, she's now like even more defiant of her husband and her mother-in-law. She doesn't want... To give them any kind of satisfaction. And also they want to educate Rudolph, her son, on like military and all that stuff. And, and she doesn't want that um, because Rudolph, much like Elizabeth, is very sensitive and he doesn't really like life at court and all the structure and everything. Mm-hmm. So she kind of has an excuse to avoid pregnancy for a while But at some point, she does decide she she would like to have another kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a personal choice, but it's also kind of a political negotiation. um, Because she comes back to her marriage, but she's like, hey, um, we're going to keep that alliance with Hungary, though, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay. So, she kind of uses it as a bargaining tool a little Mm -hmm. bit. Um, In 1867, we get the Austro-Hungarian Compromise, which creates a dual monarchy of Austria-Hungary. So, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth and her husband are officially crowned the Queen and King of Hungary in June of that year. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're skipping over a lot of that political stuff, by the way. Because
1: <laughs> yeah, that's less. A, that's not really what the story's about,
0: right? If we were talking about Franz, we'd probably talk more about that. Yeah. yeah. In 1868, Elizabeth gives birth to another daughter, uh, mm. Marie Valerie. Um, she is called the "quote unquote" Hungarian child mm. because she's born in Budapest. Mm. Um, 10 months after her parents' coronation in Hungary. Um, and she's baptized there in mm. April. Uh, at this point, Elizabeth is like, we're not doing this again. And I am going to raise this child by myself. Um, she is kind of able to get her way here. Um, but basically what happens is that she's been repressing all of these maternal instincts and feelings and um for the past three children that she's had. Mm-hmm. And she basically is like smothering <laughs> yeah. her, um, her child. Um, and, but the result of this is that her mother-in-law's influence kind of starts to fade a little bit, mm-hmm. not only over the children, but over the court. Um, and then eventually her mother-in-law dies in 1872. So she's like, not a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Finally. So now Elizabeth, she has her kids, uh, her mater- her mortal enemy is gone, so. But she's like, you know, I still don't really want to stay here. So mm-hmm. she leaves. She decides to go travel instead. She finally got what she wants and she's like, I'm out. Um, and so she doesn't see very much of her children anymore after this. Um, she travels a lot. She does it kind of incognito she always is using pseudonyms and um she wouldn't meet with other european monarchs if she didn't feel like it which was frequently typical (laughs) not at all typical Mm -hmm. if um you know if you are a european royal and you're traveling to other european countries the expectation is that you meet meet with the monarch yeah. yeah exactly um but she was not interested Um, she had, she would still take her high-speed walking tours. They would last several hours. Um, she was mostly accompanied by her Greek language tutors and her ladies-in-waiting. And then something dramatic happens. Um, okay. Oh, I forgot to mention at the top of this that there would maybe, there would be a mention of, um, suicide. So I apologize. That's about to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not going to talk about it for very long, but. We have to mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1889, Elizabeth's son, the only boy, he is found dead with his lover, Baroness Mary Vizera, um, in what is apparently a murder-suicide on Rudolph's part. Oh my gosh, that's
1: crazy.
0: Right? Um, this becomes known as the Mayerling Incident. Because that's the name of the hunting lodge, that Rudolph's hunting lodge in, in Austria where they were found.
1: Oh my God. That's wild.
0: I know, right? And I didn't look too deep into Rudolph for why he might have done this, um, just because there's like a lot going on here already. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. That's crazy. So now her one son is gone. Yeah. uh-oh. Um, and you know, she's got depression, so she gets even worse. And then within a few years, she also loses her father, um, her sister, Duchess Sophie in Bavaria, also her sister Helene. Uh-huh. Um, and her mother. Oh my God, this poor woman. <laughs> Um, and then, like, later, she also loses, like, her biggest ally in Hungary. So, like, he also dies. Oh, my god! Um, so she's basically in mourning for the rest of her life. She wears black for the rest of her life. Um, she wears these long black dresses that could, quote, be buttoned up at the bottom. And she also carries a white parasol made of leather. Um, and she would hide her face with that or with a fan because despite the fact that she was very into her body image and her beauty routines and whatnot, she actually hated being photographed. And hmm. she would often um, use a fan to cover her face if people tried to take photos of her, like before this even. Huh. So that's where we are Good Lord, Elizabeth. Now, it's 1898 jumped ahead a little bit because basically all that happens in that time is she just like loses a bunch of people that she loves and she's very sad yep okay so it's 1898 and despite many warnings of possible assassination attempts elizabeth at 60 years old decides she's still gonna travel to geneva switzerland she's gonna travel incognito however someone from the hotel that she's staying at the hotel beau rivage Let's it out. Let's it slip that the Empress of Austria is there. Okay. So, at 1.35 p.m. on Saturday, September 10th, 1898, Elizabeth and one of her ladies-in-waiting uh, leave the hotel on the shore of Lake Geneva on foot. They're going to catch the steamship uh, Genevieve uh, to go to Montreux she elizabeth hates big processions she doesn't like to walk with like many many armed guards or whatever mm-hmm. so this walk is just the two of them there are no other members of her entourage with them
1: mm-hmm.
0: so they're walking along the promenade when a 25 year old Italian anarchist named Luigi lucini i think it's that's a great name it, if i pronounced it right it's it sounds I don't like know. pasta. Luigi, <laughs> I'm, not with, I'm not good with Italian, so I don't know if the last name is right. Um, he approaches them and starts trying to look underneath her parasol.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, so according to her lady in waiting, as the ship's bell is sounding to announce the departure, Luigi kind of makes a move like he's stumbling. Um, and trying to maintain his balance. But what he's actually done is he has pulled out, uh, an implement and stabs Elizabeth with it. It's a sharpened needle file. It's about four inches long and it's used to file the eyes of industrial needles. And he had inserted it into a wooden handle. So it's not very big and it's like easily concealed. Right. Um... Now, why is he attempting to assassinate her? Well, he had originally a plan planned to try to assassinate the Duke of Orléans. Okay. Um but he ha- he left and and Luigi could not find him. So instead, hearing that the empress was in town, he decides he's going to kill her instead. Um, I can't stab that one guy. I'm going to stab someone else. Oh, yeah. I'm all he, ready to
1: stab. I got to do it wants, now.
0: He wants to be the spark of the revolution. He is desperate uh-huh. to be the spark of the revolution. Like, he oh, but sees you, himself as this big political player, you know? it's Oh, right. but you
1: picked the wrong guy to stab because well, people well, like her. I know.
0: Mistake. So, so he stabs her. She collapses, and a nearby coach driver, you know, help helps her along with the lady waiting onto the ship. The lady says, "We need to, you know, that's the closest thing, right?" Uh-huh. So they help her onto the ship. Um, the captain of the ship, uh, doesn't know like who this person is that she's on that the empress is on the boat. You know, he's just going about his business, um, and you know. <laughs> The the boat starts moving and they, it's very hot on deck. So they take her up to, um, they take her, uh, well, okay. So it's hot on deck and the captain's like, you should probably take her back to her hotel, but the boat's moving. So they can't do that. Right. They call for a doctor, but there's not a doctor available. The only like medical professional available is a nurse. Okay. she comes to help. They cut open Elizabeth's corset which obviously allows her to breathe. Mm -hmm. And then they notice like a a stain, right? And they're like, oh, like this is not good. Right. Um, Well, maybe her corset, all stuff like that was keeping her blood, you know. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Don't get too ahead of it. Okay. So they're like, okay, she's bleeding pretty bad. Like we need to do something. They tell the captain who she is. And he's like, oh, that's not great. We should go back. So he turns the boat around. And they dock again. And they take her back to the hotel. Six sailors carry her there on a stretcher improvised from a sail, cushions, and two oars. So, like, make a stretcher. Oh, my gosh. Um, As they get her back to the hotel, when they're removing her from the stretcher to put her onto the bed, it's clear that she's gone. Mm. She did not make it. Um, A doctor does arrive, and they examine her and everything. um, But... She's pronounced dead at two ten p.m. Um, they didn't get like a priest there in time to give her her last rites or anything, which right. is kind of a bummer. Um, but everybody kneels and prays for her soul. Um, and yeah, and Elizabeth is gone, and she had been Empress of Austria for forty four years at the wow. time of her death. That's crazy. Now let's talk about the, the corseting because I okay can't okay get back to it. So they write to Franz Joseph to tell him his wife has died. And at first he thinks, was it suicide? And they say, no, no, no. Here are the details. Like, she, she was killed. She was dead. Yeah. And they say, can we perform an autopsy? And He says, yes. So they perform an autopsy um, the day after um, she's gone. Um and so what they discover is that the weapon, which at this point hadn't been found, it's later they find it as somebody's like kind of cleaning up the streets, you know, mm-hmm. like somebody's going about his duties, cleaning the area, and he finds it, and the tip has broken off, um, which happened when the when Luigi threw it to get rid of it. Okay. Um, anyway, so they find that the knife had penetrated about three point three three inches into elizabeth's thor- thorax we're gonna oh. get a little detailed here um sorry about that it fractures the f- the fourth rib oh and man he- so he got her kind of hard he did and it pierces her lung and pericardium okay and penetrates the heart from the top before coming out the base of the left oh
1: ouchy oh that's so good
0: because the knife was so small and thin and sharp it was really narrow And because of the pressure from Elizabeth's very, very tight corseting, the hemorrhage um, into the pericardial sac Mm -hmm. around the heart Mm -hmm. was, it was, her blood flow was just slowed. Right. They, They think if they had managed to get the corset off her sooner, like, she might have lived a little bit longer, but there was a lot, it was a bad hemorrhage. Right. So it was... The corset did not help her. That's crazy, because um, it basically cut off her blood flow.
1: Right. Well, I was thinking about like, you know, they tell you when you get stabbed, you're not supposed to pull the knife out because the pressure of it like keeps the blood uh-huh. in. But uh-huh. it's just I find that also interesting. Yeah. The way that all works.
0: Well, it was crazy tight. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um. So Elizabeth's body is placed in a triple coffin. What? <laughs> Two inner coffins of lead, and then the third exterior one in bronze, and why? it is it rests on lion claws.
1: Work, but also why three I
0: coffins? I don't know.
1: Were they really afraid she was going to get out of there?
0: Oh, great question. I don't know. I guess she didn't get her last rites, so maybe they thought she was a vampire. <laughs> um, I don't know. The coffin is also fitted with two glass panels covered with doors so that they could slide back and you could, you know, see her face. But, but, um, but well, they three put coffins, in their, though. But three somebody, coffins, though? I know. They, somebody had to come and identify her, but she was, like, already in the coffin by that time. So they, like, made the doors so you could, like, see her face as well. Huh. Um, so on that Wednesday morning, her body is carried back to Vienna aboard a funeral train. Okay. Um, the inscription on her coffin reads Elizabeth Empress of Austria and the Hungarians didn't like that. They were like, hey now, hold on. She's ours too. Mm-hmm. And so they very quickly added and Queen of Hungary to Good. The inscription. And actually there was like a big procession that like followed her back to Oh, uh, I'm sure. Um, so after the attack your boy Luigi had fled. Yeah. Um. Down the Rue des Alpes, um, and he threw the knife, like we said, into the entrance to number three, so, like, a building, uh-huh. um, and he's caught by two cab drivers and a sailor, um, and he's sent to prison, and, you know, the whole thing with, like, him being in prison, He they initially, because Elizabeth is actually um, a pretty big supporter of mental health initiatives throughout her life like at one point in her life franz joseph asked her like what she wanted for i don't remember if it was like a christmas present or a birthday present or something and she was like oh you know i'd love like some tigers and whatever and you know she's listing all these ornate things and then she goes or an asylum would be great like one (laughs) mental health facility Facility
1: would be be excellent thank you so (laughs) much
0: so, initially, they, like, question whether or not he's mentally well. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, they say, no,
1: he, he, he can stand he trial.
0: Doing. And they try him not as a political um, dissenter. They just try him as a normal person, which he was very upset about. Good. And actually, he, like, he tries to end his own life, but it is unsuccessful. And then years later, a guard, like confiscates a memoir of himself that he'd been working on and then he hangs himself. Wild. This dude is wild. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, um, back to Elizabeth. So her will states that a large part of her jewel collection should be sold and the the proceeds, which were estimated at the time uh, at over 600,000 pounds, are meant to be applied to various religious and charitable organizations. Um, and then everything that she has the power to bequeath from her, like, royal state. Um, so this is basically everything outside of the crown jewels and the state-owned properties. Mm-hmm. Everything else she has um, is given to her granddaughter, the Archduchess Elizabeth, which is Rudolph's um, daughter. Mm. Um. After her death, Franz Joseph founds the Order of Elizabeth in her memory, and this is a royal order specifically for women, huh. which is pretty cool. That is very cool. Um, there are several monuments to her. There's one in Vienna, one in Switzerland. There's one near the location of her assassination. There are lots of chapels and parks named for her. Lots. Of, there are a couple places in... I think in Hungary as well. Um, lots of stuff is named after her. Huh. And then I just found that this is the last thing. And I just found this really, really interesting. So in 1998, they have a um, celebration or a, yeah, a ceremony, basically, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of her assassination. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I'm just going to read this. Ger- Gerald Blanchard stole the kosher diamond pearl known as the Sissy Star, which is her nickname. Mm -hmm. So this guy, he's a thief. He's like a heist guy. He's Mm -hmm. known for this. He steals this diamond pearl. It's a 10-pointed star of diamonds fanning out around one enormous pearl. He steals it from the exhibit commemorating the 100th anniversary of her assassination in Vienna. Um... And later on, they find it in, the Canadian police find it in 2007. And they eventually return it to Austria. Oh my gosh. It's like Pierre Desperour. Exactly (laughs) my thoughts. So that's Empress Elizabeth. She was super
1: interesting. She's
0: really interesting. I'm so glad we got that as a suggestion because I hadn't ever read about her before. Wow. Um, and while a lot of the things about her are, like, very sad and tragic, it's just interesting. She's an interesting I lady. I've read about anybody quite like her before.
1: Royals, man. Mm-hmm. They were all, there was something up with but all of them.
0: she wasn't even weird in the way that most royals are weird. She no. was, like, extra weird in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Fascinating. Yeah. That was a good so, one. thanks. And thanks to whoever suggested it. I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, but i really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. That was a lot, and I'm tired.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Time to phone it in.
0: (laughs) Okay, so, hope you all liked that episode. Mm -hmm. Um, We are heading into February, which in the U.S. is Black History Month. Yes. And we typically do some episodes relating to that in the month of February, so we'll be doing that again um, coming Mm -hmm. up for the next couple. Yes, indeed. No promises on the exact topics yet, because we're – Still, we are who we are because we are who we are, are. <laughs> yeah I'm trying to narrow it down yeah um but hey if there is anything that you want us to talk about in relation to black history month if there's like a story you're really interested in or a figure you you're like we don't learn about that person enough hey please let us know we will gladly either do it or put it on the docket for next year or maybe we'll do it another time not in black history month but we would love to hear your suggestions. Um, If you want to send those to us, you can email rememberthatpod at gmail.com. Just another reminder here, folks, we are no longer active on Twitter, so don't look for us there. Um, You can find us at RTTPod on Instagram. Um, You can also find us on Facebook if that's your jam, uh, if you just look up the name of the podcast. And we would really love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you want to find me on the internet I'm at the real Anna Webb
1: and I'm at ACW nerdfighter
0: Ooh, we didn't get a Sawyer joke this time because
1: yeah I, I literally realized it seconds ago and then well, looked at my phone and saw that Sawyer went oh, I didn't get to send in a joke because Sawyer has been very sick this week yeah, so it usually
0: also it relates to the topic I didn't tell you the topic and also I don't know that there are that many I jokes feel like about this would have this been topic. a tough one
1: this would have been yeah. a tough one to find a good joke for hundred
0: percent hundred percent Um, So sorry about that, Um, but hopefully we'll have a joke in the next one. Yeah. And you know what? Until that next time. Remember that time.